My name is Era, and I'm the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast. I chat with creators from all over the world to share their stories and discuss hot topics in a way that I hope inspires, educates, and entertains you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tamil Creator. This is your host, Era. Today, I have an awesome guest, uh, you know, for you guys to kind of listen to. His name is Robert Ross- Rajaswaran. Um, how I actually first got connected with him was he reached out, I think it was like a cold email or like through like our inquiry page to kind of, you know, talk or share his talk about or share a story about kind of how he came from Sri Lanka and kind of where he's at in terms of at that point in London, UK. And for me, just hearing that story is remarkable. I'm not going to do it justice by summarizing it. So I'll let him tell it. Uh, but Robert is, you know, a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's, you know, started a few companies in the UK, and now he's currently in beautiful Singapore while we're kind of all in the cold here in Canada and or the UK, wherever you guys are at. And, um, you know, I'm jealous of not just the weather, but Robert's six pack, which he's constantly showing off. So I'll let him kind of talk about <laughs> that as well. Um, and yeah, just kind of, you know, for Robert to kind of share some of his kind of insights and daily life in Singapore, which is, you know, quite fascinating because it's kind of quite different from kind of what the West is experiencing in terms of how Singapore has managed COVID. But uh, before I kind of blab on, let me uh, let the man Robert himself, you know, introduce himself, talk about his entrepreneurial journey and uh, kick things off. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm really excited to kind of have this chat. It's probably more like the chat we have, but it's just recorded, which is fun. So yeah, no, um, thank you so much for having me again. Um, love to like dive more into like the, what I'm doing here in Singapore. Um, love to find out a bit more about like uh, what you're up to and we'll kick things off. Perfect. Yeah. Why don't we start off with like the basics? Like, you know, when you reached out to me um, when, you know, uh, at TamilCulture.com and you kind of yeah. mentioned some, you know, some of your story, you know, maybe talk about that. Like, how did you grow up? you know what how, you know how did you make your way to kind of the UK and yeah just talk about that first part of your journey sure 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 um yeah I think one of the reasons I reached out to you I think this is going back about like five years ago um it's really to like really share like I think it's, it's a story that I have and it was my story of coming from leaving Jaffna and then moving to London and like that long like year and a half of journey but like it's also a very similar story to a lot of other kids who were born in Jaffna at that time and going through that civil war. Um, so I, I was born in Jaffna in 1991. Um, you know, life was, was okay, but because I was a kid, you don't really realize that you're in the middle of a, a war zone, right? So in 95 is when things really like took a turn. Uh, the army, uh, the army like invaded like Jaffna and meaning that they were just leave taking over um, and we all had to leave. So this is like, you know, Jaffna is like one of the largest Tamil cities in Sri Lanka and half a million people were living there at that point. Uh, and we were all pretty much like forced to flee, um, leave everything behind. Um, so I remember like on that day, there was like tuk-tuks going around Jaffna just announcing that the rebels were announcing that they could no longer hold off um, the army and you, you know, you, you're asked to leave and go and find some safety. So like my mom, uh, like it was me, my mom who was pregnant at that time uh, and my dad who's gone, who's gone out at that point. So we literally just grabbed like 
bags of food, any money we've had, and 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 any gold we can we've we've had. Packed those stuff, and it's just a long walk. And on the, along the way, we found like my dad because like he was driving at that point, he couldn't really move because if you can imagine like half a million people trying to to move out, you know, we 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 dump our car there, and we're like on this long walk from uh, Jaffna to to Klinochi. Klinochi is is was at that point. Like it was even in, even now, like it's pretty much a jungle. At that time, it was pretty much like uh, a jungle that we all were trying to move to safety. Um, and like there was one point, even when I went back to like Sri Lanka, like more recently, every time I go, I always go past like Navakuli Bridge, which is like this huge, not even that huge, but like it's a bridge that everyone had to cross over. And that's one of the last few memories I have of like leaving uh, Jaffna. So we moved there and then stayed in Klinochi for like six months. Um, and my brother was born there. And then from there, we moved to Colombo. Um, and from Colombo, we were just, you know, we lived in a lodge. So I think some people might know what that is, but a lodge is essentially like a temporary accommodation. And there was a lot of other Tamil refugees from, from the North and East who were staying there temporarily. Uh, it is not like, my time there was like absolutely crazy because you've got like hundreds of people and we've had like the tiniest room to share between the four of us and I would still go to school in the morning but like whenever any of my friends in school asked me where I, where I stayed I couldn't tell them because I was a little bit like embarrassed I didn't really have a home um, and at night times it was like pretty scary because like it's when the police will come and raid you looking for rebels in these places and all the young men have to go and hide so like all these crazy stories really like prepped me for life. I think it's really appreciate um, more the freedom that I and more the freedom and the privileges that I have now. So we left Jeff uh, Colombo like late nineties, early two thousands, um, and then you know to go from uh, Sri Lanka to the UK is not as straightforward as getting a visa and a and a flight and you're you're there in Heathrow. It doesn't work like that, right? Especially for refugees. So we've had to take more of an illegal or an unconventional route, I shall say. So we went from uh, Sri Lanka to Indonesia. In Indonesia, we ended up staying for a year, trying to figure our way out. And then from Indonesia to Thailand and to China, and then from China to Finland. And in Finland, when we arrived there, they figured that we were on uh, illegal documents and that we were refugees. So then they, they finished like, um, authorities put us in refugee camps in the in the north of Finland. We were there for six months. Again, another interesting journey because that's when I met other refugees. So people from Somalia, Kosovo, Albania, loads of different other parts of the world. Uh, and from there, um, we managed to escape uh, the refugee camp and then got onto a plane to 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 London. And you know that whole journey took about like eighteen months. Or more. Um, haven't didn't really have a chance to go to school at that point. It was pretty much what my mom knew, and she was just teaching us things along the way. Um, and then, you know, getting to the UK was just like you know, challenge number one. You're you're there now, but now you're trying to integrate into the society, learn English, like start going to school, and start to try and have a normal life again. And that took a lot of lot of time and strength and really understanding. Um, 
reflecting back now i think it's crazy for a child to go through something like that yeah, yeah. and it's not just me but like a lot of tamil kids go through that that phase and that's probably why i'm like super proud of our community because we go through these challenges all the time and we always thrive from it so that's how i go to london that's a, that's crazy by the <laughs> way are you are you okay with me sharing that whole kind of journey like the yeah know? yeah i mean it's 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 fine it's completely i'm sure most people will know these stories but i have even more crazy stories <laughs> oh no i mean in terms of like yeah. you know um how you got to the uk is that like public oh, yeah, yeah, no. oh, okay okay yeah 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 that's okay. all good that's all just want to make sure <laughs> people uh, know i used uh, fake passwords to get to the uk yeah so i think <laughs> i think kind of the journey you described i think is probably one even who knows like i'm sure like a lot like a lot of families like you know like i think from us coming there to canada you go yeah. through like several routes i think we had to go to the us i'm not even sure uh, yeah. but yeah every, you know we landed as a, definitely refugees in canada so yeah. The thing is I guess I have a different memory than yours because I was probably like 2 or 3 when we arrived. Mm. So I lived through it but I have absolutely no memory and as a child that young you probably have no comprehension. Similar you know like you were like a I think you were 12 or 13 at that time, right? Uh I think much when I I moved to yeah no I'm much younger like 8 or 9 actually. But you still have yeah. some level yeah. of comprehension of what's going yeah. on. You yeah. might not know yeah. all the details of why you're leaving or some idea. Yeah. it's i think from like my perspective was like way different than yours so i can't even imagine that like i haven't even gone back to visit and i want to but you know yeah, yeah. that's like a conversation for later for another <laughs> uh, <laughs> for another time but yeah so you kind of got to london you went through this crazy journey as like a you know you said seven you know maybe at that point you're like 10 or 11 and now your family is in a new country uh where english probably isn't your first language or maybe you kind of i know there's some english child in sri lanka but talk yeah. about kind of that whole culture and language you know um transition because it's not an easy one like that's one reason why i and my refugees from anywhere in the world because i picture myself going to like say japan and then picturing that i lived there and i have to like learn fluent enough japanese so i can kind of actually live a life there that's kind of what our yeah. parents yeah. did yeah and like yourself you did to set up a life you know it's crazy it, it i think yeah learning the language is it, it's a tough one but yeah it, like because the thing is i never really went i didn't have that many years of school in sri lanka it yeah. was very like mo- like we were moving quite a lot and yeah. it's just it's a very my, like childhood was very chaotic so it was pretty much what mom mom and dad knew and they were like just teaching us like words that they knew so even when they arrived like they didn't really know like how to even how to form sentences they can you know get their way like get, get around and stuff um but going to school was tricky because like you're one of the the few tamil kids there but you know luckily when i arrived there was already a few kids in that school so we normally get like paired up with with one of them like one of them and they kind of because they speak tamil as well and they like show you where around you feel a little bit more uh included but i can imagine for kids who are in like you know totally like white areas for example in different parts of the uk where you know you're the only brown kid and that yeah. could get really difficult so luckily in my scenario it was a little bit easier cuz i grew up in wembley and and wembley has like a pretty large tamil community um but learning english was or struggle because i only knew a few words and learning the structure of like forming sentences i only like i remember like when i was the first time on the playground i was the only thing i knew was like 
what is your name and how old are you like <laughs> these are things they teach you back home right yeah. and those are the only things i knew and that was like it took me a while to start um having better conversations and start making friends but also like i think one of the things that i started working on a lot more like recently um post to before is like when we come from like war zones and like in in countries where things have been a little bit rough um i think kids do get affected quite a lot in terms of like confidence levels and and a lot of things that's going on i never like i don't think i address i couldn't address it because i was too young my parents obviously didn't understand it because it's not something we speak about in the community so much but thinking back now i think they i should have maybe looked at the way things were a little bit more different but i think that's one of the things i struggled with in the beginning is like just clashing of culture and you're in a sh- state of shock because you're in a new uh, country um that was definitely a little bit of struggle the language and just settling in um but things did get get better over time interesting that's yeah that 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 transition must have been hard i mean this episode is sponsored by nobody that's right nobody so if you could be kind enough to hit that subscribe button that would mean a lot to me you know you kind of went you had this like very i mean i know it's common for a lot of kids that kind of came from Sri Lanka during that time but you transitioned to London UK and then you know um you became an entrepreneur but as you know the story of most entrepreneurs the business they first started wasn't their first hustle and you know you kind of yeah, mentioned yeah. in um your article before about kind of your story mm-hmm. that you started off as your first hustle i think it was doing like translation work or something or translating stuff for other kids i think so tell us about yeah, some of your think... first your some of your first baby hustles <laughs> oh, like um so one of the things I used to do when I was a kid um so I was one of the first kids to get like computers because I started playing around with computers back home like in Colombo. So I was like one of that's one of the first things I bought when I first like moved to the UK. Um so got one of those and started like like started getting like we had dial up internet back then so we started um getting on those like just listening to music, downloading music. Um so I used to burn like to download music burn them and sell them off in school. I think that was my first first hustle. Um and then I used to like help other people in like my community um like set up internet at home to go around fix their computers, set up internet. And then because once I started picking up a bit of like English, then I used to get loads of people like come to my house that would ask me to like fill up forms for them, passport forms, read letters, translate So that was quite an interesting like experience thinking back now like I used to go with people to like uh, maybe some like a few times I went to court because they had their refugee status um case come up in court I used to go with them to help them translate you got paid um, to do this to help me <laughs> sometimes okay. it was more like you know, they buy your meal and like it okay, okay. it's more of a community thing so it's to do that um and then the first real like real real thing i started experimenting was like um when i so i worked in banking straight out of uni and then worked at a fintech startup and that's when i started meeting a lot more entrepreneurs like people who were like actually like real entrepreneurs who were actually building businesses and that was my job i was in sales so my job to like speak to founders every day um like i was so inspired by some of these stories and i was pretty young back then as well and like you know you're young and naive you think you can do anything and I was like pretty inspired and then I started working on like little projects with other people I knew on the side um 
started putting together. I think the first one was a little um, like a recruitment platform. It was trying to connect recruiters and companies. Um, I did that. Another easy one. Then that went on to Go Code, um, which was a little side project. I was just curious as to the tech world and the technology education and the digital gap. And then went on to building and running a kids coding school for four years. So that was a lot of fun. And then small like hobbies were like Airbnb projects. Like I like like one day, like I think sometimes like when you're an entrepreneur, you, you've got, it's so hard to sleep at night because you're always busting with ideas. Um, so one day I thought like I came across Airbnb and my, I, was, I was flying out anyway and I had my apartment and I thought I'll just list my property on Airbnb to see what happens. And then I ended up waking up the next morning with like, a shit ton of uh, bookings and then yeah that then it, that that kind of that hobby beca- it became an addiction because it's like oh I can just rent this out get paid like that hustle was so exciting and then I started doing that for multiple different um, properties which I did up until COVID when it completely crashed um, I did a lot of that and then I used to help my parents my parents have a sari shop in, in Wembley so I used to do like I used to help them with all the imports um, dealing with all the customs and like, helping them on on strategy because that was fun because like it's really taking um, it's really looking at a very traditional like business with a different angle and I used to come up with ideas that was a lot of fun um, and then I've been involved in things like Young um, Young Enterprise which is a UK charity that helps school kids come up with ideas so I used to do like a bunch of those so it's always been around like testing, coming up with ideas, validating them, and to see if there's a business model around things. Um, so much fun. Uh, yeah, it sounds like your time in London was pretty productive and kind of uh, gave you kind of that foundation to kind of, you know, take that next step. Like you went from Sri Lanka, you went to London, and then, you know, I guess you said, you know what, London's too boring. I've been here too long. <laughs> and then you made that... Uh, you know, journey to Singapore. So tell us about, you know, there's a great article, which, you know, I'll link to kind of the notes here as well, talking more about it, but I'll let uh, Robert talk about, you know, why you decided to make that shift from London to Singapore. Uh, I think the the main reason is because one, I've been in London for a while and working and living abroad was something I've always wanted to do. Um, but it's not always easy when you have your own business, it's not easy to just like move. So I was looking, I came, I came to Singapore about two years ago because um, I, was in, I was traveling and I was in Malaysia then took a bus to, to Singapore and I was here just for a couple of days before I flew back. And like I, potential, I just saw the potential in it in terms of like opportunities in the tech um, and the startup ecosystem. The government's very uh, bullish about it and they're really, trying, they're really trying to build that ecosystem, trying, you know, trying to build Singapore as the startup hub and in some ways it is because a lot of the APAC um, startups uh, you know some are built here but a lot of them do end up moving here for like funding fundraising and growing Um, and I saw Singapore as a potential potential ground for like coming up with ideas testing it on a small scale because of the size of the island and the population there's a small market that you can test out once you validate it and test it can raise funding to kind of expand into the bigger markets. 
Um, so that was one aspect. I saw that as a true like opportunity. The second thing is there's a lot of APAC kind of like headquarters here, whether that be tech companies, whether that be like um, banks or financial institutions, it's a hub for Asia. And that puts us in a very kind of uh, good, good kind of spot. Um, and also like the links is well connected to all parts of the world. It's easy to fly in and out of Singapore. You know, those are the professional reasons as to why I moved. The more personal reason is because one, I want to be more closer to, to home. I want to like, my grandma still lives in Jaffna. I still have cousins there. I did want, I saw the potential of trying to go back more often, be more connected to roots. Um, and also here locally, like Tamil is one of the national languages here. There's a thriving community of Tamil people here. Um, so it's always good to be, I feel like, you know, it's, it's got the standards of a Western uh, developed country, but still has the, the roots which I'm connected to. So that's probably why I was more inclined to move. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of, I, I, I've been to Singapore once for like about four or five days before we went to Bali. And, uh, you know, I think people know Singapore, it's like super clean. Um, yeah. The other cool thing I found about it is when we went to like different food spots, I think we went to, I don't know if they call it a little Jeffna there, but like, I just remember like I went to this particular area. I think it was like I saw Tamil yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they call it there? Little India. Oh, Little India, yeah. Little so, like, India. So like it was it was cool for me to kind of see Tamil signs and like people here, you know, speaking Tamil. You know, I feel like the Tamil there was a bit different than I think Jeffna Tamil. I think it was like yeah, faster yeah, or something. Yeah, There's something different yeah. about it. Uh, but it was just cool. Like, like you said, it's like a modern, beautiful city. Like we were staying at like a pretty good hotel, you know, like it's like completely modern, huge skyscrapers. But then, you know, you kind of go to this bustling like area that just reminds you of like home, home, right? So yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. For me, like some of the things I notice like on a daily basis is like I get on the, the, the metro, the train to like work every morning. All the announcements are in Tamil. Yeah. The signs are all in Tamil. Um, the, the road signs, all the documents. And it's, a well, it's well represented. Yeah. And it's so cool to have that in a very like modern developed country. And I, I always feel like, you know, like if the whole war thing never happened, like I think like uh, the North and East could have been as well developed as Singapore. So that's the way I see it. So that's why it's, it's actually quite cool. And like, it's easy for me to like adapt into the culture here and, and being part of the community. Got it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll kind of get to focus on the business part of it. Like you, uh, you know, you went to Singapore and I know you did like a startup competition, yeah. won that and then kind of, you know, maybe it took a little bit of time, but I saw that now you're kind of working on something called Boxeroo and maybe you want to tell yeah. people how that idea came to kind of uh, fruition, how, you, how the team team came together and maybe like how your, sure, sure. what your business model is like as well. Sure, sure. Um, so when I moved to Singapore, like literally was exploring a bunch of ideas came here on an entrepreneur visa. So I had a bit more freedom and flexibility to test out ideas. Uh, the first thing, and then immediately two weeks after I landed, we went into a, a lockdown. So all the plans I had of networking and trying to get things going, like was, just, it was a no-no. So you got to adapt really quickly. So I took part in like a virtual uh, startup week in Singapore and met a couple of people there and formed an idea um, it was that was around like mental health app um, and you know that I ended up winning it and we've got some like exposure from it connected to a bunch of people um, but unfortunately that didn't go too far because the, the team wasn't 
wasn't right, wasn't the right fit. Uh, and then I met my co-founder here um, during um, the lockdown. So we used to live together and we've been working on, he's been working in, in tech for a while and worked on some, some branding projects for companies. And I've, I've done that in the UK as well. And we came out with the Boxeroo because was, we had a housemate who was receiving a lot of merchandise uh, from, from Goldman Sachs, where he used to work. And we were just curious as to where this is coming from. And we wanted to kind of explore this idea. Uh, and the idea is simple, like companies around the world order mer branded merchandise all the time. It's, they call it swag. And, you know, whether that be hoodies, T-shirts, notebook, pens, we even done things like, you know, fully customized chocolates for, for a lot of companies. And the, the, the industry is so big, but it's very fragmented and old. It's still very much like you've got to um, find suppliers, call them, email them. And it's a very old school way of doing things. There's no streamlined process. There's no platform that allows you to customize. Um, and there was no real good experience on quality as well. So we took a lot of this and we just started speaking to more and more people who order. People who order these things are like generally HR people, office admins, uh, partner marketing people. So we found out who's ordering this stuff and started speaking to them and trying to understand the pain point. And the pain point was pretty simple. Um, back and forth on email, no assurance on quality and most of the printers didn't care about the branding. Sorry, Robert. So we took all of them. There's yeah. like a... There's like a bird that keeps like, is that a bird that keeps like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let me move. I think it's, this is welcome to Singapore. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's what happens here. Uh, let me move inside. Yeah. Did you know that every time you left a five out of five review for this podcast, a Tamil parent lets their child pursue a career in the creative arts? Okay, that's probably not true. But if there's a chance that it is, do you really want to jinx it? Leave a review. Do it for the young creative in you. It was okay until the bird kept doing it like every three <laughs> seconds. And I was like, all right, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> all right. So, Perfect, yeah, yeah, so we found that and then we started testing it out. Um, built a very basic platform that allows people to go on there, um, pick uh, products which are curated by us and check for quality, upload your logo, design it, click a few buttons and you can have your merchandise deliver it to your, your door in two weeks. And that was like unheard of in this part of the world and, and also in Europe. So we started doing that and launched, uh, last year we launched around September time um, and literally targeted the company we want to work for. Now, like we were so specific on who we wanted to work with and who would, we, who would actually follow. So we started targeting the, the largest companies here. So we work with people like, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, um, Grab, which is like Uber here. Um, we also do a bunch of like projects for like government agencies. And we were very specific on going for the, the big boys because we felt like that's where the volume was and that's where the revenue was going to come in. And you get a lot of traction out of that. And the smaller companies generally follow. They can, the, the smaller companies generally order directly on the site. So since then, like, it's been a lot of fun um, here. You know, for me personally, like, moving to a new country, setting something up, and then doing sales in a foreign country was a, a challenge. And I was looking for a challenge for a long time. So that's been a lot of fun to, fun to do. Uh, my co-founder generally works on all the product stuff. Like, he's amazing at, like, design, 
branding, strategy. He takes care of all of that. And then we have a bunch of developers around the world who works on the site uh, and on developing the site further. Um, and then printing partners and suppliers around the world. So it's been it's a it's it's a business which you know, has loads of different pieces, um, and we kind of bring that together and keep it running. So it's almost like swag as a service is what you're selling. Correct. Yes. Um, so in terms of like your business model, like how do they how do you make money? Is it uh, some kind of subscription? Is there like a profit on each piece that you do? Like what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, we do a bunch of things, right? Um, we do uh, like we do. We have about two hundred products on our site, so anything from t-shirts to to like chargers, hoodies, pens, notebooks. So we have those, and people can go and order. I think the, the minimum uh, order quantity is about thirty pieces, so it's still pretty low. And we we make uh, a decent profit on each item people order. The second thing we do, we do um, boxes, so like. Um, new hire boxes or work from home boxes or partner appreciation boxes. So these are like actually fully branded boxes that we put merchandise like swag inside and we ship them out to companies as well. So the shipping and storage came as a result of the pandemic. So a lot of people aren't going into their office anymore. They're working from home. So people couldn't or like the companies didn't want to order anything into their office they were asked us to just ship them out and we just charge a fee for that second thing is a lot of companies have now gone completely virtual meaning that they don't have office spaces store these things they were like hey can you just produce them store them and ship them out and and we were like okay we can do that so we have a lot of warehouse partners we work with and shipping partners so we take care of the the whole process from production to storing and shipping so, so it's really simple for anybody, like any, like any of these companies looking to tackle this problem, which is, like you said, instead of making calls to like different, you know, swag partners or different kinds of manufacturers or whatever it is of those products, they go to your site in a couple of clicks. It's like right out of the, like, it's like you put in the logo, you put in, you select the item, put the address in and it gets sent off. It's that easy. Yeah, exactly. It's super easy. And for like, Generally, in a lot of the large organizations, they would have two or three people that do exactly this. Now, this is the huge kind of cost saving for them and also makes a lot of like, um, saves a lot of time and money for a lot of people. Um, and then on top of more than just like logos, like generally a lot of companies just stick logos on products and that can get super boring. So what we encourage like brands to do is really use their like brand logos, their colors and their story, most importantly, to come up with merchandise that really vibes with um, their brand and what they're trying to say. So for example, like we've done things like new uh, new mothers, like baby kits. So you've got like bibs, um, swaddle, like hats, things for like new newborns, right? That is part of new parents and companies to give out. We've also done like sales teams, like um, championships for a lot of tech companies. So we usually get a couple of thousand budget for the for like nine winners every every six months. And we do experiences as well. So we've had someone ask us, hey, can you like, as, as a prize, can you get one of like a celebrity to say a message for this person? Or we've done things like um, customized chocolates for, for companies. So with their branding on it. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff we do as well as some of the, the box standard stuff too. 
that's really super interesting um yeah because i would have never like from what i know about box through i would have never thought that you guys do like storage and like shipping like you would yeah. not like you would, all these opportunities that kind of existed post-covid never i guess it, it was never part of the plan i guess right like in terms of you know um to like you said virtual company companies that are completely virtual to kind of ship a branded box with kind of swag welcoming that employee. yeah yeah That's yeah, super fascinating. yeah. Um, it's talk- a lot like there's a lot of it's a lot of work for companies and that's why it makes it a lot easier because you know not everyone's going to have the time money and the resources to do everything and that's where we kind of come in and sometimes we do like one-off projects sometimes the yearly like contracts so that's why it's it's a like that's why the pandemic's created some opportunities for us yeah it's just, it's just interesting I, I guess unless you kind of have some kind of industry knowledge about the specific problem you would never you can you never know, know that there's like a legitimate like a legitimate business out of this so it's pretty cool. exactly um you know you talked about sales at the beginning where you kind of focus on a specific list of big companies that you want to go after that's yeah. easier said than done you know saying i want to get grab which is the uber of kind of asia or linkedin or twitter it's a, it's another thing to actually close them so what was yeah. your process like to kind of you know, hit these, you know, how to kind of close these deals? Uh, I think it's, 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 I think step one is understanding your, like, it's really coming up with market segmentations, as in breaking down your target audience into chunks, uh, putting them in different buckets, you know, uh, tech startups, um, like large tech companies and, and MNCs, and then really breaking them down and understanding their needs. Like each company, the, the, the requirements that a startup has for merchandise is not the same as what a, a larger tech company would have, even though the, the culture might be very similar. The smaller start tech startup is trying to um, mirror what the larger tech companies are doing. But the, 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 the potential revenue and like their needs are very different. And the people who are ordering within these companies are different. So it's really starting to understand who's going to be ordering and where your, uh, where your revenue is going to come from. Next step is within these organizations, who are the people that's ordering? Again, that takes some time for you to figure out. That takes some time for you to you know, speak to a lot of people, like message, call, email, all that like hard work, like all that groundwork we put in to really understand it. And then you, you, know, you, you come up with, okay, I understand who's ordering. I understand who I want to go for. Let's make a list of people or a list of companies that I definitely want to have in my portfolio. And then it's just really hustling it out in the sense that you are trying everything, like you're trying everything possible in terms of like just messaging, emailing, or you're asking for introductions from people. And I've done a bunch of courses on like LinkedIn to really help me get up to speed with that stuff. Um, one of the things that's changed massively from my last sales role was like, you know, there's, you can't, there's not a lot of like cold calling opportunities anymore. There's because people are working from home and there's not a lot of like um, cold emailing anymore because of like restrictions um, with, you know, email providers. If you spam people, you will get like uh, blocked, right? So there's a lot of restrictions, which means that now you've got to be very specific and your messaging had to be targeted to kind of really get those output. So I do a lot of that LinkedIn hard work, constantly posting, constantly reaching out to people. The second part is more the networking and 
getting out there and ask for introductions, that really helps as well. You know, naturally I've had a good network of people in the tech space. So I've had introductions come through as well, but it doesn't always have to come from work. Like you could place yourself in places where these people hang out and make like, you know, then you build a network of people that would make introductions to you. So that part was quite interesting. You're, what you're essentially doing is like building brand ambassadors for you. You're, um, you know, getting people like once you sell to a customer, you've, you're now this customer is becoming your, your ambassador. They will pass you on to more people. So make introductions. Um, that's the way I approached it. It's, yeah, it's, I can get into a lot more details, but that's like, that's a general idea of how things are done. No, I just wanted to break it down for people because like for myself, I do a lot of sales business development. And I think, uh, especially if you want to start something on your own, even if you hand it off to somebody else later on, anytime you do a startup, you're always a first salesperson. If you can't sell the product 100%. or service, you can't teach somebody else or give them the secrets or, you know, the finer points to kind of, you know, scale your sales effort. So I just wanted to kind of break that down. So that was excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Money can be hard to come by, but here is a $100 opportunity for you. Join my free newsletter for free exclusive content and a free chance to win $100 when I hold special draws. Did I mention that it's free? In terms of Boxer as well, you know, uh, you kind of highlighted some of the challenges, which are, you know, cold calling and cold emailing were different. You know, it's difficult. It used to be very yeah. possible. Um, how about on the funding side or like, I guess, the revenue side? Did you decide to kind of bootstrap or, you know, did you guys fundraise or is it, is it, is it do you have a goal to fundraise in the future? Uh, we definitely have a goal to fundraise. At the moment, it's been completely bootstrapped because it, it's, a, it's, a profitable, it's a profit-making business. And it's the industry operating pretty, pretty straightforward, right? We've got merchandise that we create, we sell on, and we make a profit straight away. There's no long-term, you don't need to wait around for to a guy's set of customers to, to really make a lot of uh, revenue. So that's, that which has been quite the positive thing because we can get things up and running a lot more faster, huge um, in terms of motivation because like, yeah, close this deal. I know exactly how much I make from it. Let's use that to keep going and building more, uh, building more of that revenue. So that's where like we've been, that's why we've been bootstrapped like from day one. We were like, we don't need anything. We're not trying to do anything, you know, super sexy. It's a very simple business, but we've made it a lot more fun and interesting for, for brands. Um, so we've been bootstrapped and really hustled our way to get to where we are, where we're not, you know, we're profit making and we're continuing to grow. Where we will like um, look for funding is that next step. Like when we are looking for expansions to other parts of Asia, um, we also have a lot of cool ideas around um, integrations. I think that's where it will make sense. To give you an example, I think what we'll ideally like to do is to look at ways how we can integrate into other CRM systems. So if you're a salesperson, you're working on a lead, and you want to send out a little like merchandise or a gift to your person, your prospect, all you need to do is like click a button on your Salesforce or HubSpot. We get a notifi notification on our end and we can ship that out. The other thing is maybe looking at like HR systems. So when you're onboarding new employees, we can plug into your system. As soon as someone new is joining, we can automatically send them out a new hire kit. So those are like some of the coolest stuff we want to work on. 
but you know we want to get to a much more stable position before we start fundraising and go go to that next phase that's super cool i never thought of that in terms of like <laughs> if you're a button on salesforce or hubspot or like you said one of these hr solutions that's great that's like into that's like um then you're kind of like i don't know what to you know like i'm trying to think of another example but that's like so powerful like they don't yeah. have to like go anywhere else it's like just embedded in their normal workflow and daily process that's exactly cool. hopefully you guys get there i'm, I'm sure you will <laughs> um what do you see like boxeroo you know getting to in the next three five years you kind of mentioned the integration which is awesome but from like a company point of view do you have like targets for like revenue or you know reach or like customers like yeah what are those goals that you have i think i think our next kind of two to three year plan is to really expand in the apac region um but that's not to say like we all we we already do a lot of work in the apac region i because singapore is a is a hub um for, for apac right so we spend we send a lot of stuff out of Singapore to Australia, New Zealand, uh, Japan. So we do a lot of work that way. We also get a lot of requests like from the UK. So UK companies with an APAC office here, they were like, hey, can you just, we've got an APAC team. Can you print and send out merchandise to our team? So we already do a lot of work internationally, but we, we want to start um, you know, having different hubs around, around APAC. I think that will be our next step. And then, you know, doing more cooler, like more cooler things with integrations. I think that is going to be quite a big one for us. Um, you know, we're actively hiring at the moment to take on more people. Um, so, you know, that's our plan is to keep growing to get to a stage where we can really expand. What is your, like, you know, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Like, what does your day look like when you kind of wake up to like when I, you go to bed? I think it's more like for me, getting up in the morning, getting my workouts done, then, you know, pretty much in the office from eight till about seven. And then it's most of the time is spent on like customers, like speaking to customers, answering questions, creating, um, like coming out with ideas, but also half of my time is then spent on hunting for new business. So reaching out to people, have meeting people, having coffees, um, and then in the evenings, then I work on more of the, the the overall like business side of things. So helping out like my co-founder Nikhil on his um, his parts, chipping uh, chipping in on ideas, coming up with um, like helping on products, coming up with new products. So all of that stuff is done in the evenings or on the weekends. So it's generally a full packed week. Like by the time it comes to like Sunday, I'm like dead. So. So I mean, what do you do outside uh, outside of work for fun? Uh, I <laughs> actually quite a bit of stuff. I think it's having like good work life balance is something that I neglected for a long time in my previous startup, and that's something I didn't want to do in this one. Even though things get um, things get like super busy and stuff, I try and carve out time to like. Hang out, hang out with friends. Well, and in Singapore, we're very fortunate to have beach that's only like 15, 20 minutes away. So we go and do those water activities, um, you know, hang out with friends for drinks and dinners. We do a lot of barbecues here as well. So everything that I couldn't really do in the UK because of the weather constraints, I try and do that a lot here. Interesting. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't think we kind of touched on this at the beginning, but you talked about socializing and all that. And 
you know, you're in Singapore, which I feel like based on your description of it has handled COVID very well, unlike kind of what I've seen maybe like other um, countries do. Um, so maybe can you talk about, you know, what's it like with kind of uh, living in Singapore during COVID? How has it impacted you kind of from a personal professional point of view? I think Singapore obviously handled this like a, like a lot better. Like I think when I first moved after like second week of me being here in March, we went into a, a national lockdown. So this was last year, right? Um, for from March till June for good two and a half, three months, there was no interaction with anybody. And I think that was like the hardest part. You weren't allowed to meet anyone. You're only allowed to go out for shopping and exercise and masks were compulsory from last year so that what that was like that freaked me out a little bit i'm like i'm in a new country now i feel locked um, and i can't really do anything or speak to anyone or meet anyone and that was the hardest time and being away from family not being able to socialize and i'm generally a very sociable person so being constrained that was hard but from june onwards it's been a gradual kind of um opening up of things so from june we were allowed to meet five people restaurants uh opened restaurants and bars opened up um and then all the activities started opening up as well so then i've been able to kind of get out and do things meet meet friends and from december onwards um we're now allowed to meet eight people so from like end of december till now you can have after uh, gatherings of eight people um more places have opened up and offices have started or like opened up as well and increased their capacity on how many people can be at the office. So there's a lot more people going back into work. Economy is starting to pick up a lot more. Um, so in terms of, you know, the COVID situation, it's been, it's been okay, being able to manage. I think my biggest struggle is like not being able to see my family for over a year. Uh, and like, it's hard because I like, we speak, like speak to my parents almost every other day and like, stay in touch but it's hard because like they really miss me and I, they want to see me and I want to go home we can't because the UK has done a terrible job at managing this if I do go back to the UK I have to quarantine in a hotel for like two weeks and when I come back to Singapore for which I need to get permission I'll have to quarantine again so you're spending a lot of time in a hotel room and then you're also paying as well so that's something I don't want to do so I'm going to hold off till I can go back but that's been the hardest part, just being away from friends and family that I have in the UK. On a more positive note, just like being here for a year, I've obviously made a lot of friends here, which I spend a lot of time with. The, the, the community here is, is pretty nice, very supportive. It's small, but you know everyone knows everyone. Um, that's been quite nice. And people have, you know, generally, like they want to hang out. They're always up for like adventures and doing things together, which I really enjoy doing seems like, I guess, based on everything you're describing, if people want to look to the future and kind of see it like right now, like what what could life look like <laughs> if things were managed well or like yeah, once yeah. there's a vaccine, just look to you in like Singapore. One of the questions I guess I'm more curious about is, you know, there's a kind of a lot of, I guess, commentary on the death of the office. Do you see this happening in Singapore or no? Uh, I've seen this happen like from a couple of companies have completely gone virtual um but in in terms of like singapore even in you know it's, it's, an, it's an asian country it still has a lot of like asian traditions of like having an office and going to an office 
but I think that's like that's changing quite a bit. Um, even like a lot of co-working spaces started picking up because a lot of people have just got office like desk spaces instead of a whole um, packed out like office. I think it's going to be a hybrid model of like people working from home and some working from the office. But I think I definitely think the offices are going to get much smaller. It will just make things a lot more efficient. Got it. So that's the way things are here. Okay. And I, I know you're you're a big guy in kind of lifelong learning. So, uh, you know, I think the audience might benefit from kind of some of the things you're reading or maybe like listening to. But what's like a book or and or like podcast that you've been um, listening to that you think people could kind of benefit from, you know, uh, listening to like that has had an impact on you? Um, I think there's there's a good podcast. I mean, like a good sales podcast. I've been listening to uh, a lot. Uh, it's called I, feel, I forgot the, the name of it. It's in the President uh, Club. Okay. And it's around sales like um, strategies, like if, that's from as little as like how to write emails properly, like um, the the words to use and things you do in like sales meetings and how to like sell in the, in the pandemic times. So that's been, that's something I've been listening to quite a lot recently and they always have new guests um, that, that, that come in and share their, uh, share their knowledge. Um, books wise, I, I, I do read quite a bit, but it's kind of been on the back burner. I'm not going to lie more recently. Um, I've been actually like, I used to read a lot of, like a lot of biographies and stuff. So the general um, Elon Musk, I've read uh, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, all the, the standard stuff you read. But more recently, I've been reading a lot of stuff around the history, like uh, around the time of history, uh, the war, like pre-war, like post-conflict. So I've been getting into a lot of that. And that's been quite interesting. Uh, another podcast I've listened to from... Um, from an entrepreneurship point of view, it's called Unsexy Business. I think I mentioned this one to you. And yeah. that's, that's an English like podcast is about like very traditional businesses, how you don't have to have like buzzwords and like really <laughs> sexy stuff to fundraise and make a, make a good living. You can still have very traditional businesses that still make millions of dollars in, in, in revenue. So that's a good one. It's called Unsexy Business. Um, so those are a few things. And then I, more from a development point of view, as I mentioned, I did that LinkedIn course, which has been super, super helpful. Just like, because I guess a lot of people use LinkedIn uh, as like, as a social media platform, just here and there, post here and there, reach out. But I feel like having a structure and a goal in terms of what you want to get out of it and really using it for the right purpose, I think LinkedIn could be super, super powerful. Oh, I agree with you. I've been telling people that LinkedIn is a super underrated platform. Everyone yeah. is focusing on Facebook and Instagram and all these other platforms, but LinkedIn's like that. It's like that, um, you know, forgotten cousin or something. Like I get, a, I get so much value out of LinkedIn. So, yeah, yeah. I think most of, if not, I think ninety, eighty to nine percent of it, like leads and like business comes from there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, What's a new belief, behavior, kind of habit you've developed over, say, the last couple of years that's really helped you? I think, I think it's more like a maturity thing. It's more like a lot of things I've been working on. I've been two things I've, I've been really bad at for a long time is one, communicating like emotions. It's uh -huh. just because of like, 
the household I grew up in and like the community, we're not, we're not great at talking about our emotions or sharing. And like growing up as a, a Tamil man, you're, you're expected to be a certain way and like tough and hard and all of this stuff. That's been so struggle for a long time, but I'm getting so much better at like really expressing my feelings and like sharing things and not bottling things up to a point it just blows up. So that's something that I've gone much better at. And the second thing is, it's probably communication, like really being honest about how I feel about a certain situation and really expressing it. That's something that I wasn't really good at because I was like a little bit afraid of like how that's going to impact the other person. So, you know, not being too much of a people pleaser, but really being open about how I feel about things. And that's been super, super, super useful. And it's getting better. And the third thing is just about saying no to things. I think it's one of the most powerful things. It's because like, you know, whenever I, it could be for work, um, you know, customers asking you for something, you come up with solutions and work around it. When a more social setting, you get invites to things or things people ask you. I'm sometimes afraid to say no because I don't want to kind of ruin that relationship and I try not to say no, but actually just being very honest and saying no could actually be a very powerful thing. And it's really useful at work and in life. Love it. Well, I'm glad you said yes to the podcast then. So <laughs> you want to be here. What's been the impact of, you know, since you've kind of spent, I know most of your life was London, like your adult life, but yeah. you, it seems like Singapore has been pretty impact, impactful. So what's been the impact of the London slash Singapore Tamil community on you from like a business and personal point of view? I think uh, the London like the community is like, it's great. It's, it's a lot of like super smart, hardworking people, um, very supportive, more and more the younger generation being like super supportive to each other. There's a lot of like groups on LinkedIn. There's a lot of groups on like Instagram, you know, whether that be from like a professional point of view or from the arts, like any industry you talk about, there's groups and organizations um, that really support each other. So that's something that that had a very positive like impact on me. They were super supportive for me, but also like even in like the Canadians, I have a lot of Canadian friends that I'm connected by like uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. Like we met up like when you came over. So that was always quite nice. Just connect with our like Tamils in other parts of the world as well. For sure. Uh, Singapore is slightly uh, different um, because there's not as many Ulam Tamils here as compared to like Canada and, and, and the UK but there's still a small enough, uh, like community. And it's always nice when you bump into someone is like, oh, like my parents are from Jaffna too. I'm like, okay, okay. That's, that's quite nice. Um, but generally it's um, here, it, it, it's slightly different, but also very supportive. Like a lot of my Tamil friends here, um, whenever, you know, whenever I need something or need help with, they generally come and offer their support. Um, from a um, like exposure point of view, like introductions. It's also about giving back as well. I'm always like keen to like, hey, like I'm happy. I don't want it always take, take, take. It's not the point. I'm happy to give back. So any opportunities I get to like contributing back to the Tamil community here, which I do, um, I'm always open to that. So I feel like the Tamil community here in London, Canada, very uh, supportive. And I think that's something I would like to see more and more going forward. 
uh, and you know continue to thrive and still hold on to our identity in terms of like your personal legacy uh, if you were to ask friends and family to describe you or like how like how would you want to be remembered by your friends and family in a few sentences i think i think the impact is probably like super important to me like having impacted like it could be like our community it could be a, a wider community just having an impact and to making a difference would probably be what i want to be remembered for uh, i might not be there just yet just because i'm like working on ventures and stuff but like you can still build businesses that impact people you can still you still need to have a base and and a stability for you to be able to do other work so i think for me it's like you know someone who's um who's had an impact on the community would probably be the way i want to be remembered who is somebody that you would say uh in the global tamil community that you admire and why and who's maybe one non tamil person that you admire uh i mean it's tough there's a lot of like amazing amazing people out there um i as as uh there's just so many like amazing tamil people around the world it's it's a uh, it's a hard one to um point pinpoint i think in the uk for example um i would say like the the, the founder of labara radisen radisen anna is someone i might admire a lot i've met him on multiple occasions he's just such an amazing human being and also like from a business point of view he's got that that part really nailed like really came in with nothing and and built like a multi multi million pound like business and really contributed back to the community as well and he's also he's also about very much about giving um, i love listen to his like speeches on youtube and like when 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 you know when i met him it's always been a positive experience he's someone that i admire quite quite a lot um i think like outside of that i like of course like outside of our tamil community is probably um i i really i really look up to people who um who really challenge the norm so someone who's completely different to that is probably someone like elon musk who really like i i've read his like biographies i've seen his like videos and stuff and i you can you see his uh his work and like how he's really changing the world i think that's something that i really admire so elon musk probably be the the next one okay um and you know this podcast is called the tamil creator and part of it is kind of sharing nuggets or information or there's been a ton of it already but what's just like a final piece of advice that you would give to aspiring you know your aspiring tamil kind of creators out there i i definitely think um I think one piece of advice for me I think I've been quite fortunate because my family's been very family and friends been very supportive of the whole journey but people who feel like they're not being supported enough by their family or friends or the community is to really it's not to say oh like oh like our town community don't support each other or they're not really supporting what I'm in this creative aspect of thing I would say like just go go out there and do it do what you you know do what you aspire to do really take the step forward i think it actions obviously speak like obviously brings in um actions obviously speak louder than words so you've got to go and do it and i think th- th- like uh, someone like kobe for example and one of the things he tells me all the time is like 
when one Tamil person wins something or gets rewarded or done, does something amazing, it's a win for the whole community. And I think I share that value so much. It's like every time, you know, a, a small thing that I can do is do, to win stuff or build something amazing or create an impact. And I'm doing that. And I share that with the rest of the Tamil community as well. So really have that thought in mind. That's true. It's a good, great point. Um, you know, and that kind of kind of concludes like the serious part of the discussion. I think there's going to be a ton of value there. Uh, now to kind of move on to the, the fun portion of the, the interview where what I call uh, a game, I call, would you rather it's pretty basic or simple? I basically say two things and you have to choose one and you have to tell me why. Okay. Okay. We'll start okay. with an easy one. Mutton rolls or kotroti? Oh, I have to choose one. I can't have both. Yeah. You got to choose one. <laughs> I would, I think I would, I think mutton rolls I can eat all day long. <laughs> because at any, any time of the day, whether it's like a lunchtime thing or like even after like a couple of drinks, like mutton rolls, is, it's, it's life. Um, this is based on like our the the time I spent I think on the he- the in London and I got to kind of see you. But tea or coffee? Uh, I think it's tea for me. Why tea is it tea? It's just because like, you're so used to drinking so much tea from growing up, got and I, especially like my mom's tea, it's like the best. So definitely tea for me. What is your natural preferred state with the shirt or with, or shirtless? <laughs> Definitely shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell from all those photos. On Instagram. Uh, oh, man. Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? I think Elon Musk for me. He's, he's outrageous audacity. It's like, it's crazy. Um, UK or Singapore? Oh God, I, that <laughs> I I can't. I think I would always love the UK, no no matter where I go. It's like home for me. Yeah. I can't give it up. But you know, as much as I love the Sing- Singapore right now, but the UK will always be home. Um, condo or house? Oh, I think I think a house. Just because I've grew up, I've always grown up in a house, even back home and in the UK, just so used to that. But also like condo does have its like perks, pools, tennis courts, and all the amenities that come with it. But a house is always nice. You feel so grounded and just easy. Okay. The last question, I know you like to travel. Uh, I don't know if I've made this hard enough for you. Bali or Italy? Oh, Bali any day. I mean, I mean, I love Italy. I've been there three, four times, but I think Bali is just magical. And there's so much to do. Food's great, super cheap, easy to like get around. Bali is like, I would live there if I can. I've been to both places as well. And I would say Bali. I mean, Italy, you know, I think is great. But yeah, I think that like Bali, there's something magical about it. I can't, I, I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but there's something magical. Um, awesome yeah I mean that kind of concludes the podcast I mean uh, I think there's so much interesting stuff you kind of talked about I think just your journey was inspiring kind of all the nuggets of information you shared about Boxeroo like I said like you would have never I think if you never had industry knowledge you would have never thought that's kind of a viable business and you kind of taking something that used to be very hard and made it easy 
Um, so I think people are going to be really kind of interested and intrigued. Um, if people want to connect with you, um, whether it's to kind of pick your brain to get advice or just maybe there's a business or you know partnership opportunity, how did how's the, what's the best way for them to get connected with you? I think the easiest way is LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the most receptive and easiest way. Um, or like you can, or, or Instagram's good too. Instagram or LinkedIn are easiest way. Just drop me a message and more than happy to have a chat. I'll put uh, Rob, for those of you listening, I'll put Robert's, uh, uh, those links to Robert's uh, profiles in the show notes. Um, perfect. Yeah. And just to kind of, you know, wrap things up for any of you listening, please give this podcast a five out of five. It really helps increase the visibility on whatever platform you're listening to, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And if you can comment, share it, like our stuff on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, that'd be great. And if you have any feedback or ideas on future guests or even topics, uh, feel free to reach out to me at hello at the Thank you, Robert, for kind of hopping on. And thank you for everyone for listening. Look forward to the next episode. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun.